we're going to be able to show concrete evidence um, to justify what we already know as martial artists. We feel the difference. We remember when we didn't do martial arts and what we weren't capable of that we are now, yeah. or more importantly, the people that we are now. So our confidence, our emotional and mental health has also been helped out as well. So health in general. purpose of this this is a very 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 have i said very enough a very very unique podcast today hello ladies and gentlemen i should have said that earlier this is the first time i've ever done a podcast where i'm actually just doing a podcast with an alter ego and uh i'm gonna have to get the full total introduction here because tags taggart we can't just call you that can we can you not no why not oh um how else? How else would I? Would I? <laughs> name, name, rank, and serial number, and bank details, please. Um, okay. Um, my name is Adam Taggart. I'm a martial artist of uh, coming up to my twentieth year. Twenty years of martial arts. I'm um, uh, operating out of West London at the moment, uh, but I'm more commonly known as that martial arts guy um, on things like uh, YouTube, Instagram, which I have been horribly negligent in uh, for the last uh, year. I haven't been posting up recently. Um, but I, I'm a martial arts instructor in West London, um, focusing on kickboxing and mixed martial arts at the moment. Uh, but I would say that my root style is Jeet Kune Do, so I would term myself a Jeet Kune Do instructor and all-round um, geek uh, when it comes to martial arts history. Well, we're all geeks, right? Yes, so, absolutely. True. Ladies and gentlemen, I first met Tags, I don't know, it wasn't last year, was it? It was the year before. year before, yeah. year before. <clears throat> and... Uh, this is where I'm really showing my age. I looked over and I saw this guy because I'd rec I'd look at you as a young kid, right? So Thank I you. looked Thank at you. you like a young kid. I was like, "There's this young kid." And the the the, the thing with, especially with the JKD nowadays, is uh, if you want to do mixed martial arts, you just do MMA, you do jujitsu, Thai mm. boxing, bit of boxing, bit of wrestling. That's it. And there's not many young guys who do it until. They have, a, it's, this is a crazy thing, until they have a class with me and they go, you do exactly what I do in the MMA gym, but there's actually more to it. There, there, there's skills behind this. There, there's, I don't, I don't know, maybe some, uh, it helps you with lifestyle choices, it informs the rest of your world. And they go, yeah, yeah, why can't you sell it? And I'm like, but I do sell it, but you don't get it. So you're, I would say you're a relatively young guy. Thank you. In, I, I, in this. No, but you are. If you look around at the guys that we train with, uh, right? Certainly, um, the, what we just saw at training today, earlier today, yes, um, there was more hands of, of people in their, their 40s or 30s, um, which I'm, I'm only a, a few weeks away from uh, from my 30s, but it'll be, it'll be uh, um, fun to still call myself in my 20s right now. But, yep, this, <laughs> well, this is, yep, this is the thing. I look at it, and I look at, I look at it in a more sort of unique way where I look around and I go, go to an MMA gym, it's all guys in their 20s. Yes, I'd and say that. Some in their 30s, but not many. You know, the amount of gasps and ooh and ahs I get, you know, say I do a headstand guard pass at jiu-jitsu or I'm teaching a CSW class, and they're like, you're older than my dad. And I, I'm looking at these guys going, well, what part of this shit don't you like? Don't you think that, yeah, you're loving this now. Mm. What You want to do this for the rest of your life? Which is going to seg me, I hope it's going to be a nice seg into your view. I want to ask you, first of all, your views on the benefits, health benefits of martial arts. And then that's going to lead me into where you're going with your life afterwards. Mm -hmm. So first of all, your ideas on the health benefits. Um, let's, let's 
categorize th three parts of, of health being physical health, mental health, and, and emotional health, what some people would call spiritual health. Yes. I would call it emotional health. Physical health, it cannot be denied. Um, martial artists, no matter what um, discipline that they do or what sport they're into, it's really obvious that they're in top physical condition for a lot of it. And even if they're not, just the practice of it um, staves off inactivity. Um, you, you don't get lazy martial artists. That doesn't exist. Um, and like you said, it's fun. Um, you, you're having fun no matter what age you are, no matter what shape or size or what background you have. Um, martial arts is fun for so many reasons. Well, it's the, old, it's the old Chinese guy in the park at six o'clock in the morning doing Tai Chi. Yeah, day. absolutely. And they it's... go, that will never work. And I'm like, he's 80 years of age and he's well, out. He's up at six o'clock. Yeah, I mean, that will never work. Um, when you hear that phrase, people are always thinking about combat effectiveness. And it's like, well, his purpose in doing martial arts is to get up, do something interesting, relax, avoid stress. So that keys into his mental and emotional health. So it, it does work. It works for the purpose that he wants martial arts to, to fulfill and so um, it works absolutely and and the health benefits of martial arts have been underestimated for far too long and now uh, hopefully we're going to be able to show concrete evidence um, to justify what we already know as martial artists we feel the difference we remember when we didn't do martial arts and what we weren't capable of that we are now yeah. or more importantly the people that we are now so our confidence our emotional and mental health has also been helped out as well so health in general well you know this this is great because i don't know if have you ever heard the um you ever heard Guru Dan in Osanto ever say about the magic? There's magic in this stuff. Mm. Uh, he, and he's, he, he used to say that. He said all the old Filipinos used to say it to him. Then, like, not just Filipinos, but uh, yeah, for us, we always have to we lean towards those Southeast Asian arts anyway. Mm. But um, he, he said there's magic in this. But then he was straight away, he was st straight afterwards, he, he, he actually put an addendum to it and he went, but the thing is, a hundred years ago, what we now know as science, we considered magic, which is going to lead me into where like, the, the field of research. Uh, first of all, what are you doing at the moment? Um, so I am about to begin my PhD in kinesiology with a specific focus or a personal focus um, on the overall kinesiological benefits of um, martial arts training and to clarify because most people hear kinesiology and the first thing I hear is what what is that what, uh, what I have no idea what that is they they relate That's how you win scrabble right yes quite yeah. um they they relate it to kinetics they know it has something to do with movement the field of kinesiology is the cognitive neurological social psychological and cultural benefits of human movement or overall body movement so it's a wide-ranging field it has uh, hands in biomechanics in overall anatomy and physiology um, sport and exercise science psychology neuroscience it, it's quite a broad field but um, obviously for the, uh, for the first two or three years of this PhD I will be um, genning up on all aspects of kinesiology but I'm um, particularly focused on the cognitive development benefits of martial arts training um, and I'm also a fitness instructor uh, for the for the past few years I've been halving my time between martial arts instruction and fitness instruction and as a fitness instructor as a personal trainer I've been looking at the overall development of uh, mental processes and coordination and giving people more and more complex movement usually pulling those movements from martial arts practice right. from my from my time in martial arts and seeing how those those clients of mine grow and how the groups I even teach a group every week um, and, and I give them more complex movement some of it derived 
from capoeira, some of it derived from kali, um, and various other disciplines, uh, usually a lot of dance and yoga as well. And we try and see um, how we can use complex movement to improve thinking. And it's it's weird, without even prompting them or telling them what they're, what they're accomplishing, they'll come to me after a few months and say, um, I can feel myself, it's almost like they say, I'm, I'm smarter, I can't quite figure it out, but I feel just smarter and I have to say well first of all you're less stressed unfocus the brain and you're going to be um, recalling knowledge quicker yeah. and then uh, secondly you're activating so much of your brain to activate your body same as in martial arts we use everything we use absolutely everything as a result the brain is firing more to to cope with that strain it's a workout for the brain and when you work out something and let it repair and grow it gets bigger and stronger it's the same with muscle it's the same with the mind so the whole idea between uh, behind the sorry the research that I'm I'm hopefully going to be doing very soon um, is is based on that part of the the PhD part of the doctorate study that I'm going to be doing. I want to, uh, if I can, take this opportunity to give a shout out um, to Dr. Sean Mullen, who is the head of the Biobehavioral Sciences and Exercise Sciences Laboratory over at the University of Illinois, where I'm going to be taking this PhD and his team because they've laid the groundwork which makes this study possible. Uh, five, ten years ago, we would not have been able to do this. We right. wouldn't have been able to go near it because nobody had taken enough of an interest. Um, now, Dr. Mullen is a martial artist himself um, of, of quite a few years. At the moment, he's uh, studying under Jack McVicker over at, right. um, at um, Champagne BJJ. Um, Jack McVicker, who trained under Megaton. Um, and is uh, absolutely outstanding world champion, uh, multiple times world yeah. champion, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach and, 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 and competitor, and uh, Inosanto um, affiliated instructor. Yeah. Um, so uh, looking forward to uh, not only studying under Dr. Mullen, but also training with him and, and sort of trying to get a more academic, um, scientific look and analysis on the martial arts movement. And obviously um, it was... Paul McCarthy's cognitive Kali TED, um, TED talk and all of the efforts that he's put into that because he coordinated with Dr. Mullen as yeah. well um, that kind of spurred me on to do it because I, I trained first with um, Guru Paul in 2012 when I went to the Innocenzo Academy where my JKD uh, journey got a huge boost oh, um, yeah, bust, bust yeah, through yeah, that plateau yeah 100 percent um, and um, uh, when I started talking to Paul obviously we were, we were two Brits um, yeah. in, the, in the middle of L.A., um, he identified me from a mile away because I had a pack of hobnobs <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> he knew that I'd, I brought them across. He was like, pack of hobnobs, get the kettle on. Um, we had a chat. And then, obviously, the Cognitive Carly talk um, bust out um, big time. And uh, every, everybody that I have the opportunity to show that video to, I'll oh, say, I'll view it, change, view it, view it, view it. I'll tell you what, changed my life. And I said that to Paul. Um, Paul, Paul it, first of all, yeah, Paul, I know you're listening. He's unbelievable. He's a great martial artist and he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And he, you know, he's going to be a wonderful parent. Yeah, I mean, yes. Congratulations, yeah, yeah. Congratulations Guru. Uh, and Paul, Paul is like really funny because I really, really like Paul. But me and Paul have some ding-dongs on, on, on Facebook. But literally, it's like, he'll be like, you're only disagreeing with me just to cause a bit of mayhem, aren't you? Because I know you don't think like that. And I went, no, but yeah, it's good, good, to, get some, good to get some discourse going. Mm. And I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that what you were saying there, it's pushing just basically, you know, questioning the thought processes and questioning your ideals. Because, you know, I see, I see where Paul is 
with the with his uh, cognitive Kali, and I see him do that in every every other aspect of his life as well. Mm. Where it's like, I don't agree with that. Why don't I? Agree? I need to understand why. And it's that breaking it down. And mm. his first ever is like the, the TED talk that he did. It was amazing because I looked at it and it was the first time ever that if you imagine that a skeleton had been fleshed out because I, I had the bare bones of that idea that I'd figured out myself really. And yeah, obviously, you know, listening to Guru Dan and like Guru Rick and stuff. And then it, once he started explaining it and I was like, wow. And then obviously Rick Fay's been saying this for, well, geez, the last 17, 18 years mm. anyway. And he, he's, he said, this will help the brain repair itself. And I was like, Wow, because people don't, this is what I'm gonna really get you on now. People have absolutely no problem whatsoever if they've pulled a hamstring to try and rehab that. They've got a torn quad, they'll rehab that. But then if we say anything about the brain, they, they it's like you switch off, and you don't want to accept mm. the fact that it's an organic thing. Uh, and you know, the first time I even really started thinking about that was when I was training with John B. Will who wanted to understand about thought processes and he wanted to understand about, it was his teaching methodology. And he wanted to understand the repetition. Why, why is repetition so important to learning a skill? And then it was like, you know, it's the mother of all skill. He went, no, no, perfect repetition is the mother of all mm. skill. And I, I was like, wow, I start listening to him. And then he, was, he basically sought out a guy who was a brain surgeon. And then he, he literally said to this guy, I just want to understand these certain aspects start talking well what do you do i teach martial arts i'm interested in martial arts let's have a trade-off and then the next thing you know you know john's you know john's got a really good for a layman he's got a great understanding of it you know the whole uh what's that what is that coating every time you do something is it myelin or myelar or something on the brain and every time you you'll you'll know more than me well um i mean uh honestly no i don't want to um accidentally misquote or get or make a mistake on this this is absolutely one of the things which i want to confirm um as as part of this study when i when i go over to, right. to the university of illinois because there's still so much theory in the field and we um especially in terms of medicine exercise science where as a fitness instructor we had to take um quite rigorous exams in anatomy and physiology and then since then it's left up to you to research and find out more all you end up doing is getting more questions very right. very few answers the idea that um the myelin sheath which holds in um my um actin myosin which is the the, the filaments which make muscles yes. connect um they they talk to you a lot about um that because it's all about muscle growth and that's unfortunately where the focus of fitness and health has gone is is how am i going to build this muscle how am i going to change how i appear right and then it'll be oh but also there's performance i want to be able to run faster i want to be able to jump higher and it's like you say people will focus on a hamstring they'll focus on the quad when it's damaged they'll rehab it when they want it to grow they'll work it out and then when it comes to the connection between the brain and the muscle there's this this gap there's this massive black hole in between what we know about the brain, what we know about the muscle. We, we can focus on neuroscience, and so you've got neuroscientists telling us this, that, and the other about the brain. We can focus on exercise science, and it's all of this about the muscle and about the respiratory system and the circulatory system. But there is never the pattern that, that gets recognized. And um, 
I, I decided to look into it first as a hobbyist. So it was early 2017 when I was looking into the, the overall field of cognitive science, uh, cognitive and behavioral sciences, and I wasn't getting the answers that I wanted. And I, I felt like I was just sort of uh, messing around in the dark, um, trying to find ans answers to um, how would I build this connection? How would I grow out the ability for the brain to activate the body and or, or rather the mind to activate the body? And then uh, another chance encounter with um, Paul McCarthy in summer last year. And he um, got me connected with Dr. Mullen over at the University of Illinois. And when we got talking about it in depth, and there was many exchanges, first of all, he uh, I think he was trying to figure out um, where my, my passion lay, yep. um, or what focus I really had. And then eventually it was like, okay, uh, let, let's, let's um, try and see if we can get you to um, start the PhD program here. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, there, were, there were several hoops to, to jump through and, and several things which um, uh, Dr. Mullen so kindly did for me to, to um, help me through the process, um, make sure that I took the right exams, make sure that I, I had the right documents uh, to hand and I got the, everything else sorted. Um, it's a rigorous process trying to study abroad. Um, oh, my, not... my, son, my son was a year in uh, Portland in Oregon. Mm. So he was over there and it was like, oh man, it is just admin and just bureaucracy city, you know, and it's it's crazy. So where where will this, you know, end goal, what, what is it that you'll okay, get out of the study? So um, if we shorten, uh, shorten it down. The, the short-term goal of getting into the study is I, I want to have a better understanding of, of um, kinesiology than I currently have. It's a very selfish goal. It's not helping anybody out at the moment other than myself. Yeah. Because uh, in my mind, that uh, once I'm into the, the right area, once I'm talking to a, a network of people, and uh, obviously uh, Dr. Mullen is the person to be talking to and the person to be studying with, um, which is why I kind of like uh, went once um, Guru Paul put me onto him, yeah. I, was, I was pretty much doggedly reading through everything that he, really? he had um, available on online, all of the journals that he'd written. And I'm, all right, I, I need to, I need to be working with this guy. Yeah. I need to be working for this guy because he, he's he's the the one pointing the way. He's he's sort of like the guiding light for um, for the kinesiological studies in this. Um, there's um, other doctors uh, around the world who are giving uh, their own contribution to the field, but I think that um, very much what Dr. Mullen and his team are doing. Is, is is far more on the wavelength of what I want to be investigating. So that's what I got. Why I got to it. The medium term goal, say at the end of this PhD, is we want to uh, see, we want to prove or disprove whether or not specific movements, and obviously martial arts is where I'm going to draw those movements from. Um, hopefully, have made a significant difference to overall cognitive ability. The way I predict that is probably going to happen. But again, this five-year study, anything could happen. The, the study might have to change and adapt. Yeah. Is um, likely we are going to have to have a sizable sample of people to join the study. And we are going to have to test their cognitive ability or their, on a certain, uh, some, some form of measurement, some kind of test. Yeah. Of which there are many that, yeah. um, that are available. And then we are going to uh, put them through a program which probably involves Kali or, or Jiu Jitsu or one of those martial arts which involves very technical complex movement. Yeah. Then we're gonna test them afterwards. And, th and this will not be just one isolated study, this will be a collection of studies. Right. Um, all adding that little bit of proof or disproof, uh, that little bit of credibility um, and support to the idea that complex movement helps cognition, specifically martial arts. The long-term goal is assuming 
I don't get hit by a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming a meteor doesn't hit yeah. um, the earth in the middle of the study. I have every intention of carrying on in the academia, carrying on in the research to then add to this, the research we do over the next five years to the point of being able to prove um, that martial arts will have benefits for specific conditions. Alzheimer's is something um, closely tied to me personally, yeah. um, something which I have a, a grudge against yes. um, and something which I, I have a, a passion to see rid well, my, my uncle, my uncle has it. My grandfather has it. And my uncle, especially my father pretends he's got it. And that's like quite a dangerous route he's going down with that so for another time. But my uncle it's unbelievable because um, he is one of those characters that there's no frustration. There's no anger. So I'm really lucky because I've seen that side of it as well, where, you know, it's where people start with when, when people start noticing that's the thing. When when when, when you know, the, as I've said before, I you know, when people don't want to believe in heaven or hell, I've seen people with Alzheimer's and I've seen hell. I've seen them going through a personal hell in their brain, and then I've seen their their loved ones around mm. them, and it's exact and it's just horrific. And you know, it runs in my family. And I, I it, it, yeah, I'm only forty nine, but I have these where I'm, yeah, but I remembered everything. I used to, you know, I used to be able to look at a comic book and be able to tell you the whole story that was in the comic book. And we're not talking one or two; we're talking like hundreds. That's how geeky I was. And now I'm like, I'm trying to have to remember things, and it's killing me. And I keep like trying to, I try and justify it by saying I've just learned a lot now, so I haven't got space in my brain anymore, and I have to delete files. And you know, it's basically I'm like, you know, Commodore sixty four. And I, and I, yeah, and I, and I think, and I think I'm on a two two hundred and fifty six gig gig. Apple iPhone, and I'm not. I'm old technology now, and I'm bad code as well. But the the Alzheimer's one, especially because the stroke victim thing, I got, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, but how are we going to get complex movements? Whereas with Alzheimer's, I've seen, you know, it's always the same thing. The first thing people say, horrendously fit, still really fit, nothing wrong with them physically, but then it's everything else. Yes. And I'm thinking, right, okay, because you don't have to understand the movement. I, you might have to help me out on this. Okay. I've seen people move, and jujitsu's the one that's got me. I've seen, I have this theory where I've seen dumb people become smarter by doing jujitsu. And then I've seen smart people become dumber by doing MMA because there's a lot of shortcuts <laughs> in that. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I, I I have only my own personal theories, and as as I said, I'm I'm beginning the study later this year. It will be a side project of mine to see if my own personal theories actually pan out, and I will be researching. Yes, but I I know exactly what you're talking about, and my my personal theory at the moment, I would absolutely love somebody to give me some academic backing to to help support or completely discredit this theory. I I, I don't mind being disproved so long as it's science. Yes. And my theory on that is jiu-jitsu as it's taught, Brazilian jiu-jitsu as it's taught, in fact, most martial arts as they're currently being taught, especially with the the, the guiding star of Guru Dan in the Santo uh, at the top of our particular yeah. family and what we're doing, does not necessarily involve people going to um, the highest limit of their physical capability every single day. Yeah. And a lot of the way MMA is currently taught, and I don't want to pick on anyone, so I'll just give a general statistic from my own experience. And my own experience is um, when I was in uh, MMA competition briefly at an amateur level. I see MMA gyms, stables almost, 
putting people through a very limited number of techniques, a, a, a small variety, to a very high skill level, and it's not taxing them mentally, but it's taxing them incredibly physically. Yeah. As a result, the, the hardware stays high level, the software doesn't get a workout, and it degrades. Um, if you look at the Inosanto curriculum, if you look at the Minnesota Carly Group cu uh, curriculum, the variety of technique is massive. It's a broad, overreaching education. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, oh, I'm trying to find the right word. It covers so much ground yeah. that uh, the brain gets one hell of a workout. And in my opinion, that's exactly what it should be doing. Yeah. Okay, It should be showing you the possibilities. Now, if you were going to fight next month, next year, you would gradually taper off the number of skills you practice repetitively over, over however many weeks. Yeah. And that way, when you go into the into the fight, and, and I know this from my combat experience, the sparring that you've done, I'm sure you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You don't go in with a whole workshop. You go in with a toolkit. You go in with what's around your belt, hammer, what's light, a hammer and, and a screwdriver. Yeah, hammer and a screwdriver. You go in with the tools which can cover the most tasks, but you don't go in with everything that you know. There's not enough time in the world. Um, I uh, put out, this is a long time ago, this shows how, how lax I've been with YouTube. Um, but I put a video on the fighter's paradox. It was first described to me by Sifu Vince Bloomfield many years ago. Um, Sifu unfortunately passed away uh, last year. Um, uh, it was an extremely emotional moment, not just for myself, but for all of the club over at um, Chat Yin Kung, Kung Fu, uh, back in East Anglia where I'm yeah. from. But he first described to me the fighter's paradox uh, many years ago. He didn't call it the fighter's paradox. Uh, he just described it to me, and then when uh, after I was talking to Tim Becker and uh, Chris Bruce over in Los Angeles, yeah. they they said, "Hang on a second, we've heard this before. It's called the Fighters Paradox." And I was like, "Having that? <laughs> yeah. Tim's a smart guy, man. Yeah, um, I'm having that. Thank 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 you, Guru Tim, for that one. The Fighters Paradox is: for every hour I spend learning a skill I already know, practicing a skill I already know, I'm not learning anything new." And that means that I'm building up my body's ability to do one thing, but I've, I'm neglecting other things. For every hour I'm learning something new, I'm neglecting practicing the skills I already know. So my brain gets a workout from the learning, but my body doesn't get to practice what it already has. And you cannot be both. Until, no. until humans live forever, we will never have an endless amount of time to spare for practicing the stuff we already know and learning new things. Um, it's been said many times, and I completely agree with it, there's too much martial arts knowledge in the world for any one person to learn. No man or woman's going to live long enough to no. learn it all. As a result, the learning can be indefinite. Yeah. Um, and then with MMA, you can't afford to take everything like that into the fight. The reason why, as, as you said, it's uh, like uh, some MMA fighters start off smart and end up getting dumber, it's just because they're not working out their brain. They're not learning anything new. They're focusing on the skills they've already got, and that's exactly what they need to do for the job. Yeah, That's exactly what they need to do for the ring. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there is a reason for that response. In Jiu-Jitsu and in Kali and in Jeet Kune Do, the learning never stops. If you're not going for competition, you don't need to harness a few skills. You can keep learning, yeah. and that works out the brain meaning that you get smarter. Well, it, it's really funny you say this, because when me and Al Pizan first, yeah, I was never in the reality thing anyway, you know what I mean? I was there, but I was training, and I, yeah, I was dead lucky. I, I missed out on nearly all of the reality-based movement because I was over in Germany uh, doing, doing Wing Chun, doing Thai boxing, and uh, awful karate as well. Like, lovely guys, but they, yeah, when you walk into the gym and you can kick the crap out of every single one of the guys there, you're in the wrong gym, right? Mm. And... I remember when we first started getting into the Jeet Kune Do and the Kali, 
I remember uh, one guy was like, yeah, but there's too much to learn. I was like, yeah, but isn't that amazing? And then I had another guy say to me once, he goes, yeah, but you know, you, you can't be good at everything. And I said, I never said I was good at anything. I said, well, I'll tell you, you know, at, at meat and potatoes, I'm great. You know, at banging, you know, as I, you know, I said this to Guru Dan recently when we were testing at instruction, uh, at instructor camp. Uh, I said, well, what are we going to work on, Guru? He said, well, what would you like to work on, Mike? And I went, boxing, Thai boxing, and jiu-jitsu. And he went, I would do two, but it's not a perfect world. And that was it, literally. Uh, and it's it was one of those moments where, um, especially with a lot of the lot of the older guys I used to train with, they were, but you can't, you you can't do all of that. And I was like, but I've never met anybody whose life wasn't improved by having more books and reading a few of them. And now every now and again, I, yeah, I, I look at nearly everything that I do in that, I, that's why you call it a library of techniques. You know, right now I'm reading a lot of Jordan Peterson and Neil Gaiman, you know what I mean? So yeah, that'll work for me. But I know that there's there's a few things, I need to get back to Hemingway. Yeah, I, have, I haven't, haven't, myself and Ernest haven't hung out for a little while, so I'm gonna have to go back and see him. And it's trying to work out what's fit for purpose. Yeah. And that and that's that's the other one. As you get older, that's why I'm really interested in your study because I'm like, if there's any way, you know, Rick Fay said it. He he said it. He goes, we've been we've been given the fountain of youth, and uh, yeah, I think we're going to be able to operate longer, and I, unless it's just very good genetics with Guru Dan, I think it is the training, and you know, it's everything that he does. You know, the jiu-jitsu I've noticed as well, you, you'll, have, you'll have noticed this when you see guys who do jiu-jitsu, you see clumsy ass fools go on the mat. And then the next thing you know, I've got, I, yeah, I've, got, I've trained with guys who didn't understand that they could use their legs in jiu-jitsu. Wow. Yeah, but you, do you understand yes, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you, you've been there, never, right? They've never thought it no, possible, but, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, my legs get me from A to B, that's all I do. And then they come in and they train and they, they understand that you can close guard and you can open guard. But then it's like, right, well, why don't you just go and play some half guard? Why don't you lock down? What? what? Well, figure four your legs, lift it, stretch him out, and now he's just a pole. And you just go either side of the pole. And they're like, wow. And, and you're like a monkey with your feet. And I'm like, but you're limiting yourself. You know, it's the whole John Danaher thing about attacking the leg locks. Well, why would you not attack? 50% of the body, mm. it's crazy. So why do you think jujitsu, why do you think jujitsu is such a big thing? Because MMA is big, but jujitsu is huge compared to MMA, mm. I think. Uh, definitely, I think it's the, the teaching method, the pedagogical method of, of jujitsu, um, and also the environment in which it has flourished. It's not just the marketing, because let's not, let's not forget UFC 1. Um, that I mean that that showed off to the world the power of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was an infomercial. That was in, never in, that was never going to be a sport. No, um, it was um, it was a wake-up call for so many people, and the learning environment that jiu-jitsu um, encourages and, and and demands really is people get to see the mistakes they are making without necessarily getting hurt in the process. Yeah. It's tough in a kickboxing or boxing environment, usually because the people who want to go full on jump in, spar, and it's the first wrong hit causes a concussion, you've just lost that student. Yeah. As a result, it's it's usually you have to have a level of, of toughness just to survive the intro, just the hazing almost of being a beginner in these kind of schools. 
And um, then there's the arts which come from a classical background, a traditional background, and they seem quite savage, quite brutal in their techniques. You see eye gouges, you see groin shots, and people are like, oh, I don't accidentally want to get hit by one of them. I won't come back to class. Um, and it's, I, I think that the UK necessarily isn't the best place uh, because we don't necessarily encourage martial arts the same way that they do over in the US or in Australia, where they have a much more positive outlook on it. Um, certainly, I found it in Los Angeles, every fifth or sixth building was some form of dojo, whether it was Taekwondo, Tang Soo, yeah. Jiu Jitsu, Kali. Um, there was there was some form of training hall um, or box fit and or gymnasium fitness was encouraged more as well. I mean, we know that Los Angeles is 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 much better for the fitness yeah. industry um, than uh, I'm just picking Scunthorpe. up uh, Scarborough. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. jumping on jumping on there. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> quite you're not going you'd be unlikely to see the same kind of colorful, outgoing, confident, positive, fit people um, on um the Scarborough beachfront than you would necessarily on uh, Venice Beach. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a combination, climate, overall culture, and certainly the way that jiu-jitsu is currently uh, being conducted and the way it's being taught. People can go in, realize that, oh, this this isn't a good position with this person on, uh, they call yeah. it side control, yeah. you know, something like that. And then you're, you're shown nice and clearly and safely how to get out of this bad situation, get into a better situation called guard, um, or how to roll them over and you suddenly in mount. Oh, isn't mount lovely? Yeah. And you haven't hurt them and they haven't hurt you. And two white belts have successfully learned something without... Um, it's uh, what John Kavanagh actually said about um, updating the uh, software without damaging the hardware. You haven't gone in, had the lights beaten out of you. And then decided, oh, I might, next time I'm going to do this once I've recovered from this broken limb yeah. or this bruised face. Um, you can go in every single day and learn something new. And I think that that's why jiu-jitsu is, is currently at the forefront and also the same way that Carly is taking off yeah. and, and needs to be better publicized. It needs to get more press because it, it's exactly the same reason people can go in, they don't need to get hurt and they can come out having learned something and it's, it spearheads an emotion yeah. to well, learn more. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what's always got me is guys are like, um, uh, one of my taglines I use all the time with parents is, uh, first of all, the, the safety benefits are there. You know, it's like you're investing in the best airbag on the market, the best anti-lock braking system on the market, training with me, right? And while they're, while they're getting that installed, guess what? I'm teaching them not to drive like dickheads. And they go, in what way? And I went, well, just the way they conduct themselves in life. And they were like, right, but what if? And you, you go through the whole thing, like you, the more chance of getting attacked by somebody that they know, you know what I mean? Physics works, we don't want that. We want them to believe in themselves, we want them to believe in, um, you know, they have value. When people have value, they're more they're, they're more likely to defend themselves when they think they're worth something, right? Absolutely true. Uh, that's one thing. But the other thing is, it's, it has to be playful. And it's like the, 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 uh, the Gracie, the, especially Hannah Gracie, it's the whole keep it playful thing and you know, and it's one of the things that's freaked me out, especially in the UK, because people are now starting to go, yeah, we're just going to play some jujitsu. And you go, right, it's like when you hear capoeira, and you say, yeah, we're going to play. And you go, Who doesn't want to play? Hmm. And we're getting to the point now where we're actually going, we're surpassing the ego of, especially in the UK, you know, Rick said earlier, and I've noticed this for years. Yeah, you look around the world, and this is even in the Inosanto group. Uh, you look at it and you go, right, yeah, come to the UK, we've got this lineage of, oh, you do martial arts? Well, that would be boxing or karate. We hit people, we yeah, we hit shit, you know? Then we wrestle, then we, yeah. oh, what about all the fine, fine motor fun Yeah, we'll get all that, but we get this first. Yeah. 
And it's now, especially with the jujitsu, I've noticed that it's now just the process. And Carly's exactly the same. Whereas I used to have to tell Carly with my, you know, yeah, swinging sticks will never work. And I'm like, well, I can beat you up without sticks. So I think I'm going to be okay mm. with the sticks. But the the play is a very very important. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, as as the world has um, cottoned on, the UK has a, a high sporting background. We're always placing placing highly on the league tables of the um, of the medal tables of the Olympics, and our the amount of uh, GB sport is investing um, in any any which discipline. We've always had a good sporting attitude, and there's two martial arts in particular which Britain has historically always clung to, and that's boxing and catch wrestling. Yeah. Now, catch wrestling didn't necessarily spread. But it's always the 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 spiritual home of, of catch wrestling has Wigan, always been man. Wigan, yeah, um, Wigan, and uh, fueled by some of the most awesome pies. Uh, but yeah. it's like it, it's it's no denying you go up to Wigan, you can see, uh, you can hear, you can feel the wrestling in the local area and, and the roots of it. And as a result, when jujitsu came in and and judo, when when Jigodokano came out with judo, and eventually it worked its way over here. Um, we've had a uh, Olympic level judoka in 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 the UK. Hey, we were only with Brian Jackson last week. You know Neil Adams. You got the, the, these guys were amazing. Well, um, even when um, I was a kid, I know that you said um, I, I might look youthful. I'm going to blame Carly for that one. Hey. <laughs> um, but there's no denying when I was a kid, I was watching Neil Adams. Uh, yeah. Uh, with a really grainy level quality of video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember watching Neil Adams, and even though I wasn't in judo, I loved the 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 competitiveness, and I loved the idea of getting to grips um, with somebody else. Why I took up jujitsu yeah. um, at age sixteen, um, and I, I just I realized also that's when I went through the growth spurt. I realized I was much taller than all of my Japanese uh, colleagues, yeah. and I was getting thrown left, right, and center by people half my size. Um, and I realized that the power that a grappling art could have over you, regardless of how big you were, because um, I couldn't punch, couldn't kick them. No. Uh, like that was that was That's jiu-jitsu. It. I was getting thrown left, right, and center, and I saw the power of jiu-jitsu. And do, you, do you think? Do you think that because of the UK has had this historically always like wrestling and boxing? That's what the, it is. Yeah, it's it's funny because we spent mentioned wrestling, and everyone yeah. goes Big Daddy, Rollable Rocco. Oh, uh, but do you know what? I really enjoyed it, and some of those guys were athletic back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm thinking that because of our history in those in those particular disciplines, and also because of our, our sporting background, it's like you say, people are now talking more about playing and having fun, and and it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, it's so much easier to maintain a training regimen if you enjoy yourself. There are very very few people who get to that point in a martial art and endure the bits which are boring. In any skill in the world, learning a language, learning a musical instrument, learning a martial art, there are going to be times when you're bored. You're mm. repeating the same thing over and over and over again to get a high level of skill in it. And you're thinking, can I just do something new, please? Yeah. Because I want to. I'm, I'm losing interest. But you have to endure it for a little while. And then once you've endured it, you can go back to learning whatever you're doing with the group. Usually it, it comes to the point of a high level martial artist, but not quite at the level they want to be, whether it's brown belt, black belt or beyond. Yeah. And they're thinking, you know, can I, do, can I not just... Get here and yeah. stay here. And you have to. It's, it's what um, Seagong Bruce was was talking about. Seagong Bruce Lee was talking about. You have when you reach that plateau, you have to go through it. You have to push harder and go through it. And for a lot of people, it's not a physical plateau. It's not even a technical plateau. They're not like, oh, I'm so no. confused, I can't get through this. Mental. It's a boredom. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, I've done the same techniques over and over and over again to get to that next grade, to get to that next thing. And quite frankly, I just want to get that grade and move on and learn. Have you ever, you ever heard? You ever heard the Higa Machado, the Higa Machado armbar story? If you want to get good, you want to get good at an armbar, do it ten thousand times, and you know the point where boredom's about to really kill you. 
do it another 10,000 times. And you're like, and it was John Will who said, John Will who said to me once, he went, you get to the point where the, the boredom will fuel the hatred. And I was like, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, the hatred, and there'll, there'll be a lot, there'll be self-loathing involved. There'll be all sorts going on. And it's like, right, you either let it break you. Yeah, it's like my BJJ coach, Neil Simpkin always always, always said, he goes, the one thing about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you, you'll, you'll find that there is only two types of people in the world. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. When I say that, he goes, there's only two types of people in the world under very extreme circumstances in that moment. And I went, what is it? He goes, they reach adversity and they go, do I embrace it? Or do I pretend it never happened? And th th that was it. Yeah, I had that. Th what we're going to round up on, because we're going to go back and kick some ass now. Absolutely. Great right. Idea. What advice would you give to anybody starting out in martial arts or thinking about starting out in martial arts? Um, do not settle for the first um, uh, instructor that is in your area or the first style that you see. Do your research. Because I was very fortunate to start with um, Sifu Vince's school when I was 10, 11 years old. Um, and the reasons for why I started martial art were many. Uh, I, I like Bruce Lee movies. I wanted to look cool. I, I like Bruce Lee, Jet Lee, Jackie Chan. And also um, the, the bullies at high school were annoying me. And it was my brother had seen, he'd been across to a seminar that Sifu Vince was running. And I suddenly decided, right, I want to get involved in that too. But I was fortunate. I was very lucky. I feel blessed. Not everybody gets that. And so do your research. Why do you want to do martial arts? What's the best style for me? Don't just settle for the nearest school. Go out and find what best suits you. And eventually you'll end up training with as many people as you can. You won't settle for just that one style. Yeah. So do your research for where you begin because that will make sure that you don't lose interest at the dangerous stage of it where you're just getting into it. The first four or five years of study, that's when it can make or break you. You might be put off martial arts for good if you have the wrong instructor, the wrong environment and the wrong style. Get your research done. We're, we're living in an age where that, there's no excuse for not doing your research. We have the internet. Use it. We've got YouTube. We've got books. We've got um, Google. We've got all kinds of things you can get a hold of. So my advice is anybody getting into martial arts, do your research. And eventually, I mean, you, it might well be that you'll end up training with, with um, us one day. You know, like, that is the plan. Yeah, um, if you're unlucky, you'll be with me, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is absolutely the... the the best time to do your research and find a style which suits where you are right now because if you're anything like the rest of us you'll you'll feel competent eventually in that style you feel confident first that you are now learning and that's when you can start to think about other styles if you try and do too much uh, all at once if you try and learn um a grappling art and a striking art and a weapons art and everything um, and you're, you're constantly mixing teachers and schools, eventually something will give and it might be all of it. And then, uh, of course, life gets in the way, work gets yeah. in the way um, to the point where you just think, you know what, that martial arts thing was a nice little interest for a time. I did it for a little while, but I've decided to give it give it a miss. I will promise, I promise here and now, I will be a martial artist for the rest of my life, however long that is. Yeah. And I, in some form or another, um, heaven willing, I will be an instructor in martial arts for the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, I will want to give all of the benefits we've spoken about today to every single one of my students. Now, some of them are going to want to be fighters. I will help them. Some of them are going to want to just uh, get better, more confident, more focused. I will help them too. Um, all of the benefits that martial arts gives, I want to be that for the rest of my life. I never want to give it up. And the only reason I've had that, that I've got that passion is because I was fortunate enough to have the right instructor um, when, I, when I began. And I've been blessed to have such brilliant instructors as Gurudan Inosanto. Um, as Guru Rick Fay and um, 
uh, all of the people who have joined me along the journey, all of you guys uh, here at MKG Thank for you, this man. weekend, I wouldn't uh, up until now. So it was not just the start that I had Sifu Vince to guide me um, and all of the crew over at uh, Chatting Kung Kung Fu, um, but it was uh, Morimoto Sensei when I was learning Jiu Jitsu and it's been all of the guys at, at JKD um, and the Inosanto Academy who have, have spurred it on and it, it just keeps going. It's one of those things yeah. that doesn't stop. Do your research, you'll love it for your life. Uh, you know, thanks for that. This is the thing. We're going to round up on this. Just as you were saying that, something was going through my head. Uh, you remember Prince Nassim Hamed, right? Absolutely. Unbelievable boxer. Great guy uh, as a boxer. Um, and when people say he was a great champion, I'm like, mm, maybe not a champion because the first time he got beat, he never came back, right? And now when you look at him, he looks like Steven Seagal, man. He, you know, the guy's huge, right? And I really believe this, that MMA is going to be... Prince Prince Nassim would be a great physical representation of that because he was somebody who used to do something. And then if you really if you're smart, then you could be Ray Leonard, right? Sugar Ray Leonard. You look at Ray Leonard at 61, 62 now, and he still looks like he could go back into the ring tomorrow. I wouldn't want to get in the ring. No. <laughs> you, you look at the, you look at the guy and you're like, he still trains. And that is the that is the secret. Martial yeah, arts for life. Yeah, martial arts for life. That's what John Wilk calls his BJJ. BJJ for life. That's it. Not for sport, for life. It's great, man. Tags, you the man, I tell you. Thank you very much. Sir. Thank you. First shout out goes to Guru Bob Breen, uh, who inspired me to run a self-defense class uh, after the Borough Market attacks in central London. Um, and uh, he started running uh, free knife fighting classes uh, in his Hoxton Academy and I thought that's a banging idea, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. And then second shout out goes to uh, Paul McCarthy, uh, which uh, um, over at UCLA because if it weren't for his influence and everything that he's doing with Cognitive Carly, I doubt I would have followed the path that I'm following at the moment and what I'm about to do. Hey, that's it, Aunt McGinley, let's go and get some vegan food. Has anyone ever, uh, dear listener, if you ever want to send in any vegan food or recipes, speak to Aunt McGinley. He's a vegan. Uh, sorry, Aunt, I, I can't help it. There's three of us here, you know. Three vegans? Three vegan martial artists. Wow. Yeah. Who, who are they? Uh, Vanessa. Ger she's vegan. German, so she'd and, be a vegan. And uh, Ivani, the little Spanish guy, 22 years vegan. Wow. Whoa. I was, I was a vegetarian, I could, but I, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Because you weren't. You weren't tough enough. I wasn't you tough enough. You to be hard. As Dan Strauss, if you ever get a chance, listen to the Raspberry podcast. There you are, Dan. I'm giving you a shout out. I shouldn't really be doing this. But Dan, Dan Strauss once said to you, Ant, if it was Dan, if it, he, he reckons he, survival of the fittest, if you're, a, if you're a vegan, he said you'd be out, wouldn't you? He said in Victorian times, he said we can only choose to be vic vic vegans now. Well, if, it, if, if it came down to that, the thing is I'd stay because I'm going to cost the, the economy less. Wow. Dan Strauss versus Ant McGinley in the vegan fight-off. It's not going to go off anyway. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs>